Two of the sport's most respected fighters step back into the octagon this weekend. Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I'm joined as always by Nicholas J. Horwat. Horwat, buddy, how you doing? It's a good week. It is a good week here. We haven't had any losses to worry about, but then again, we haven't had any wins, so. <laughs> uh, but, but we managed to stay in the news and as a matter of fact well what day was that tuesday was a busy 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 news day not just in pittsburgh but across the hockey world i mean a few things that i'm sure we'll get into at some point i mean there was you know the gm hirings there was all of what the hell is going on in columbus there's you know tsn just shutting down vancouver or I guess it was Bell Media shutting down the Vancouver radio station. There was, uh, what's the one that I'm missing now? Oh, and Miko Koivu retiring. So much just happened on Tuesday, and it wasn't even lunchtime. So <laughs> uh, everything has kind of digressed a little bit since then, and now we are here to talk about it. Yeah, and we're going to obviously break down mainly the Pittsburgh Penguins hiring of general manager Ron Hextall, as well as new president of hockey operations, Brian Burke. So we'll, we'll definitely discuss that. And it's funny that you mentioned the fact that, you know, we haven't lost a game since our last episode. We haven't won a game since our last episode because, well, we haven't played a game since our last episode. But luckily, it seems the way the NHL has configured the schedule, the Penguins are probably going to play at least three or four times a week from here on out, especially considering... and. The fact that the way that they're restructuring the schedule, they're kind of running out of leeway at the end portion of the season. So unless there's more COVID cancellations, which I, I think we should expect at some point, yeah. you're probably not going to have too many more times where the Penguins have gone 12 days without a victory, but at the same time have only played two games in that span. So I would get ready for a lot of Penguins hockey moving forward here the rest of the season. Absolutely, and also get ready for more postponements because it's bound to happen. I mean, mm -hmm. the Flyers and Rangers, just before we started recording, their Sunday game? Yes. Sunday, their Sunday game got postponed. So expect the worst, and then we'll come out with the best no matter what, right? That's all you can do. Expect the worst, hope for the best. But that is what we're going to lead into the biggest news for the Pittsburgh Penguins, or at least the biggest news to anybody in Pittsburgh on Tuesday was, of course, the hiring of Ronnie Hextall as the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, alongside Brian Burke, who was named president of hockey operations. 
Patrick Alvin, who had taken over the interim GM role and did interview for the general manager position, was demoted back to his original role as assistant general manager. So he is staying with the Penguins organization, which we all expected anyway. And it's good to see that he is going to continue into this new regime with Hextall. But that GM search and president of hockey operations search took just 13 days. So in all, it was a very quick turnaround for the Penguins in finding a new chief of staff, if you will. Horat, what did you think overall top-notch right here, the hiring of both of these two gentlemen? Uh, I am fully for it. I am all in on it. I love it. It's a different dynamic. I get people don't like. Um, I'm going to say Ron Burke a thousand times, by the way. <laughs> I want to say that now. Um, people may not like Brian Burke for his, I don't know, lack of success, really, or the fact that he's just old I don't know. I think it's a fun dynamic. I mean, he has already said that it's Hextall's roster. So he's not going to be involved too much with the roster decision, which is good. Maybe it'll be a little bit, you know. I mean, Hextall is still reporting directly to Burke, but for the time being, I mean, everyone loved the Hextall signing. There's no doubt about that. I got talked into it pretty easily just by looking at Philadelphia. <laughs> as much as people don't want to admit it, that's his team. As much as even Philadelphia fans don't want to admit it, that's his team. And I guess there was a huge falling out between Hextall and the Flyers. So, if anything, we know that he's cool with beating the Flyers and being better than the Flyers. Welcome. I mean, the kid, I mean, as a kid, he grew up in Pittsburgh, something I didn't know. Um, I think I kind of just assumed that I had heard the name Brian Hextall before in Penguins history. Didn't know it was Ron's father, just kind of moved on from it. But. I mean, when you grow up in the same uh, uh, apartment building as Roberto Clemente, I thought that story was real fun from uh, Dehan that Hextall grew up in the same apartment building as Clemente and a couple other pirates and got guys like uh, Manny Sanguian. Not Manny Sanguian. Who was the name? Was that it? I, yeah. I missed that entire story. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Manny that he got to play street hockey with. It's an incredible incredible little there's just a couple tweets didn't write a story on it but fun stuff so we know hextall is a pittsburgh guy he grew up hating the flyers hell yeah we love that <laughs> we're here for that hextall is a slam dunk here people loved it but people were a little confused at the burke signing and you know what i get it i get why you were confused because we were looking i thought we were just looking to fill one role but i guess when you think about it rutherford was also president of hockey ops i guess or in a way but yeah, so you had to fill that role. Brian Burke's the guy to do it, really. I mean, it shocked everyone. It kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, that day was very weird. It was in the morning. It started with, hey, Hextall's getting uh, a second interview. Oh, just Hextall? Or is there anyone else? Oh, yeah, uh, it looks like Kevin Weeks might still be in the running. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald might still be there. And literally an hour and a half later or so it was uh hey Hextall's in the middle of negotiating his contract what and then 20 minutes later the official announcement oh and there's Brian Burke also just <laughs> here no talk of that whatsoever so hell of a job for keeping that quiet I guess but you know what it's a fun dynamic having those two in this organization I mean are we going to talk about Burke's comments a few months ago 
I definitely want to get into that yeah. a little bit and just get into Brian Burke a little bit because yeah. he is an enigma on this entire thing. But I'll let you, you finish off if you had any other thoughts you wanted to get out before I started talking. Not much. I mean, my next chapter of thought is just his comments on the team recently. So we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. But for my initial thoughts about the two hirings, let's start with Ronnie Hextall, who is going to be the general manager for the Penguins. I did see that he did play street hockey with Jimmy Rutherford back when he was growing up yeah. in Pittsburgh. And, and Jim Rutherford had helped getting him some pads and get him started on his hockey career. So even, even the tie there between the former general manager and the now current general manager of Ron Hextall is kind of a cool story. But listen, people know who Ron Hextall is. It, it's pretty obvious to know. If you don't know who he is by name, Think of the guy that chased down Robbie Brown from the Philadelphia Flyers. Think of the guy that is one of the best puck-handling goaltenders of all time. Think of the guy that was a hothead on the ice but has seemingly been very level-headed off of the ice and in the front office. This man has been in front offices for now 20 years in the NHL. He started back in the 90s. He was the assistant general manager of the LA Kings from 2006 to 2013. So he helped build the Stanley Cup championship team in 2012. And he still had his fingerprints all over the 2014 team there. And as you mentioned, with the Philadelphia Flyers from 2014 to 2018, four years as general manager of that team, he has really shown in that sense that he is an expert at the draft. Let me just look at some of these names of the players on the team now that he drafted. And the reason that they're going to be a top team in the East this year is because of the players that he brought in there in his four years. Starting in 2014, there's three players that are currently playing and playing a big role. You have Oscar Lindblom, who everybody obviously knows, Sanheim, and Nico Kubel. Those were all in 2014. 2015, he brought in Travis Konechny, who's probably one of their most impressive players right now, as well as Ivan Provorov, who is their best defenseman. He's their number one defenseman. Then you have Kata Hat in 2016, who, as of right now, looks to be one of the best draft acquisitions of his entire tenure in Philly, and one of the best draft acquisitions when it comes to goaltending in a long time. And then, of course, you also have Nolan Patrick. That was kind of a, a steal there at number two. And in the same year, I know not a lot of people know about him, but I've kind of had my eye on Morgan Frost. And I know our buddies over at the Three Pigeons Puckcast are also very invested in Morgan Frost. So those are just a couple of the players that Ron Hextall brought into Philadelphia through the draft. And this is going to be a big thing, especially with the Penguins right now who don't have a first-round pick next year. So they're going to need somebody who has an eye for that draft. And I think with Hextall and with Alvin staying with the Penguins in the assistant general manager role, as well as Sam Ventura, who is also in the Penguins front office staff and is really big into analytics, I think the Penguins are set up pretty well when it comes to the draft table. And when it comes to trades, Hextall didn't make any really huge trades. As a member of the Philadelphia Flyers, there were a couple that, yeah, he traded Braden Coburn and still got a first-round pick, a third-round pick in Radko Gudis, which, looking back on it, that's a pretty good trade, getting a first-round pick out of Braden Coburn. But kind of almost nothing moves when it comes to Hextall and the, and the trade aspect of that, and which is going to be a big change for the Penguins because we're coming off of a general manager in Jim Rutherford, Trader Jim, that... All he did was trade, and he wasn't the greatest at drafting, but his trades were early and often after he got hired. And 
with Hextall, it's also going to be weird because Jim Rutherford, we're used to a guy that's going out here. He's going to be candid. He's going to tell us what his plans are. He's going to be frank and to the point about what he thinks of this team. Ronnie Hextall's a little bit more reserved, which I never would have expected, you know, going back and watching his playing days. But he's a little bit more reserved. He likes to be left alone. He likes to do his job and do it well. And that's something I think the Penguins are going to be able to benefit from. Now, Brian Burke, and this will lead into his comments a little bit ago. You know what? Before I start talking about Brian Burke, I'm just going to, you know, in honor gotta of get the, Burke. Got to get the tie. You got to put the tie on, and you definitely cannot tie the tie. I, I should have put a, a collared shirt on and not buttoned it up all the way. But, you know, we're, we're doing this in honor of current president of hockey operation, Brian Burke. But that was a surprise to everybody. I don't even have to say that it was a surprise. I saw that, and I said, well, oh, is there a second Brian Burke that I'm not aware of? And no? Okay, the actual Brian Burke that is coming off of now, I believe he worked at TSN. Sportsnet. He worked at Sportsnet. See, I, I'm a little foggy on, on north of the border stuff. I had to look that one up too, but he was doing Hockey Night in Canada stuff. So. Okay. So, I mean, Brian Burke getting named president of hockey operations, he seems very excited about it, which is good. Yeah. Because he said he never expected to be going back into this field either, so it was a surprise to him as much as it was a surprise to us. Now, here's the thing with Brian Burke. You say people are, are kind of hard on that hiring because, you know, he hasn't been successful in a while. He's been with a bunch of teams. He's kind of a hardo. I mean, he won the Stanley Cup in Anaheim as general manager in 2007. And that team kind of epitomizes the kind of hockey that Brian Burke likes his teams to play. Hard-nosed, tough, tough to play against, and just big, rough, mean guys, hard-nosed hockey. And that is not the Pittsburgh Penguins. That is, it is not the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. Tough to play against. I could, I could get along with that. But they're not big hitters. They're, they're not hard-nosed, at least on Brian Burke's standards. And that is why, you know, at the beginning of the season, he said he does, doesn't see any way that this team could be in a contender. And that's when he was with Sportsnet. And, yes, he did come out and not really even defended himself. He, he kind of doubled down. He said, listen, my comments are my comments. I was getting paid to be an analyst and an analyst takes a look at the teams on paper and says, you know what? I have to make an educated decision here about what I believe. And, and he didn't believe the Pittsburgh Penguins were a contender at the beginning of this season. And he, he might not believe they're a contender right now, but he's sure as hell going to get them there. At least that's what he's going to want to do. And as weird as it is, first of all, it could be a lot worse. You could have a guy like Pierre Maguire getting that job. You could have a guy like Mike Milbury getting that job. So as far as people coming from broadcasting and into our front office is concerned, Brian Burke, you could go a lot worse than him. Uh, I did want to see Kevin Weeks. You know, I think it's it, that been fun. it's a it's a matter of when, not if, for Kevin Weeks to get a position. I, I thought he had a really good opportunity to get this job. But uh, nonetheless, it seemed like Mario Lemieux from early on had his man in Ronnie Hextall and it, you know, when Lemieux brought Burke to the table as well, because I, I, when I saw this, I thought maybe Hextall, whenever he was given his plan, said, you know what, I, I think Brian would be a, a good guy to work with. He, he didn't. It was, it was a lot of Lemieux, and Lemieux has his fingerprints all over both of these hirings. So I'll let you get into the, the Brian Burke thing before we just talk about what we can expect from Ronnie Hextall. I just think, the I mean, I get it. When you're behind the desk or – you know, when you're doing your journalism thing, when you're being the big J journalist that we or he is or, or was, uh, and you get asked that question, you answer. You don't have a lot of time to really 
look deeper into things and then you kind of just got to answer it and if that's what you believe that's what you believe and even if we did hire him he didn't he doesn't have to retract that statement at all no because if anything um i think it's because he said it and because he's holding to it i think that's a better decision more or less i'm thinking that because he thinks we can't make it well what exec just is just going to accept that and move on with their team as a non-contender he is now an executive in an organization where he said um, the window is closed. Well, now that he's here, he's going to be the first one in line to open it and prove to himself, like, look what I and down the road. He can say, I said this in November. Two, three months later, I am on that team winning. So he's got a lot on his plate to handle, and I think that's perfectly okay. That's a good spot for him. He can back his words up and say i believe i believed what i said in saying that you guys weren't a contender now you are look at the work i did go me i did it It, that's a selfish way of him to look at it but it's a great move on the penguins standpoint to not really kind of look at that and say we're not hiring you just because you said that Mm -hmm. if anything it's a good thing that they hired someone who doesn't believe it because now he can be the one that turns it around I think it's a win. It's a kind of a dark, twisted way of looking at it. <laughs> I mean, it's better than having a yes man. Let's start there. It's better than a guy just saying, we can win the cup this year with what we have. We're perfect. Much better than that. It's much better than me or you stepping into that position <laughs> and saying, we're good. We just need to do one or two things and go from there. No, he's saying, here's what I believe in. Here's why things need to be fixed. And I believe in Ron Hextall can do it. He, Brian Burke is so excited to be here, too. I mean, he didn't think he'd be getting back into the into this sort of position, and I mean, frankly, no one did. But here we are, and him and Jim Rutherford also have something in common. They've both traded for Phil Kessel. <laughs> Penguins fans should love him already. I mean, it's just it's fun stuff. It'll be fun to see, and you know what? We have headlines for days now. Mm, oh yeah, Hextall and Burke. I can't think of anyone else who would make more head. Oh, we just need John Tortorella as head coach, and we're nope. set. No, nope. no, nope. <laughs> but no, no. Let, let's not do that. I like to see our star players playing in the third period and not being benched. But absolutely, when it comes to Berkey, I have more respect for him because he doubled down on his comment. Yeah. Listen, if he would have came out and said, "You know what? That was my job then. I'm not sure I believe." That's when you look at it and say, "Dude, get some balls. Like, back yourself up." And he did. And, and trust me. If there's anything people are going to say about Brian Burke, it is not going to be that he is gutless because he he definitely stands pat on all of his all of his takes and everything that he says. So that is something that is immediately respectable there. But whenever I saw that Brian Burke got hired, my immediate reaction was, why? So we can go back to the Stone Age? And really, I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? It's not a matter of the fact that he is one guy. Because if you look at the rest of this front office, yeah, you have Brian Burke, who is a little bit old school, a little bit, you know, a little bit. I don't want to say prehistoric, but a, a little bit out of his time at this point. But a here's little. the thing: people can change. First of all, I, I, I'm a big believer that people can change and people can adapt, especially when they're one of the better hockey minds. That at least other people say. I, I don't know. I haven't really watched Sportsnet all that much, uh, and when I have, it's been because he makes comments like the Penguins' window is completely closed, which you already talked about, but. What a better coup de gras to his career 
to come into Pittsburgh, take a team that he did not see as a contender, as you said, and take them all the way. Listen, it's been 14 years since he raised the Stanley Cup as a general manager of the Anaheim Ducks. So you want to bookend that career when you thought it was already over? You come back basically out of retirement. He was, he was retired. He was not getting into hockey ops. And now he's the president of hockey ops for the Pittsburgh Penguins, an organization that he seems and has said to hold at a high, high standard. And it's nice to hear that. It's nice to hear, you know, it was nice to hear that there was that much interest in the job no matter what because that makes you believe that the ownership here is not only seen as great in our eyes, which is rose-colored glasses at, at least, but it's seen across the league and across the country and across Canada as well as a very A-plus organization, which makes you feel comfortable in what happens after Crosby and Malkin are gone because the leadership is there. But for Berkey, you know, I respect the fact that he, he doubled down on his statement. I think although he does have some outdated ideals, I think having Ronnie Hextall, the way that he developed that Philadelphia Flyers team that is right now top three in the East and will probably be top three in the East, the way that he drafted there, the, the eye for talent that he has as well as, I believe, an increased role for somebody like Patrick Alvine and an increased role and an increased voice for somebody like Sam Ventura, I don't think this team is going to get sent back to the Stone Age. I don't think that is going to be Brian Burke's agenda here. I think Brian Burke is going to be ready to come in, is going to be ready to be as much of the 21st century guy as he can be, and I think he's there. As you mentioned, he's already going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little hands-off in this situation, but he's still going to be able to lend his expertise because he has been there. He has done that. He has got the T-shirt. And now it's time for him to do it in Pittsburgh. As far as Hextall is concerned, and I want to round this out by talking about Ronnie Hextall because that's where all these personnel decisions are going to be made. They're going to be made with him. Weird, a little bit still. That former Flyers goaltender, especially one that has that much storyline with the Penguins, at least as a player. It's weird that he is now our general manager, but at the same time, you have to have trust in the guy that I keep saying it. Go back to the well. The Kings won Stanley Cups, and he had his fingerprints all over it. His fingerprints are literally, you can't watch a nationally televised game with the Flyers in it and not have somebody, Pierre Maguire, say, oh, this is Ronnie Hextall's team through and through. He has his fingerprints all over it. Well, he does, and that should be the type of person you're expecting. I don't see very many big blockbuster trades, especially because trade deadline's coming up here a lot quicker than you know, it normally does. And he's just getting in here and has to assess what he has. So I wouldn't expect too many changes to what the roster looks like now. But after the season, quite possibly there's going to be a lot of changes. And it'll be fun to see what these two gentlemen do for the expansion draft as well. But Horwat, last thoughts on the whole general manager search. The fact that it only took 13 days is kind of ridiculous. Uh, it felt like longer, probably because there weren't any games. But it it, it is been a quick turnaround what are your thoughts final thoughts as of right now because we're going to discuss this probably ad nauseum for the next year yeah get used to it uh david morehouse said he he wanted it to be a quick turnaround on this and he got it just whenever we thought they were about to start second interviews uh that same day we had official word that two men were hired for the job um so good good work on their part when it comes down to it um 
Hextall is the general manager. He is the head of the roster. He's the head of creating the team, basically. The stuff that we care about. The stuff that we're going to see. On the ice, the lineups, um, drafting, trades, transactions, that kind of thing. Whereas Burks, the president of Hockey Ops, bigger picture things, stuff we're not going to really notice too much, maybe some coaching decisions, contract negotiation, that kind of thing. Dear God, do not put Brian Burke ahead of in, in, in any way, shape, or form near the draft table. It's not pretty. I looked through it. It is not pretty. His He drafted the Sedins. Cool. Again, that's one of those picks where, yeah, I think... I think a rock could have made that decision. He had to make a move to get that to get the third or whatever the was pick. Cool. That that makes sense. He had to make a move to get them together. Still, the rest of his draft history is not pretty. You picked Bobby Ryan because you lost the lottery, and he keep, he always says, "I was this close to having you, Sid." Well, guess what? Now you got him. Have some fun with him. Time to have some real fun with Brian Burke in the front office and. It's exciting. It's fun. I had another thought, but I lost it. Who cares? I'm ha- I'm for it. I was for it from the beginning. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter were not about the Brian Burke part of it, but guess what? If he's going to keep his hands off for the most part, I see nothing wrong with this. Hextall's here to build for the future, and the way they're looking at it is we're going to see what we do this year and then take a real consideration into things, so... I don't see any big moves happening right now either. Like you mentioned, this offseason, though, if things don't look pretty after the end of this year, get ready for scorched earth, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but it should be fun. I like love them both, especially in our front office. There will be headlines for days. There's going to be a ton of fun. And now let's just start winning. It's been a long while since we've had a general manager. That has wanted an eye for the future past Sidney Crosby yeah. and Evgeny Malkin. And listen, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, that is not even a, a question as of yet. It, it is creeping up there, but it's not a question as of yet. But here's the thing. We always knew, and both me and you, Horwat, on this show at least 35 times in, in the last 100-plus episodes have said and have acknowledged the fact that as the Crosby era goes, so, do, so too does Jim Rutherford. He was not going to be the guy to be here for the rebuild. Ronnie Hextall could potentially be the guy that's going to be here for the rebuild. So probably not going to see too many more first-round picks getting traded. Probably not going to see too many more second-round picks getting traded. And you're probably going to see more of an eye on on getting younger as a whole, systematically, and getting a better minor league system in Wilkes-Barre and Wheeling, Wilkes-Barre, unfortunately, did lose their first game of the season. Wheeling is still in dead last place in the ECHL. All right. <laughs> so that's something that Hextall is going to look at as well. He's going to want organizational depth because that's what he did in Philly. And that's how he built up L.A. And he still has some fingerprints on, on L.A.'s system right now, which yeah. is the best in hockey. So it's nice from a standpoint of, we know who the guy is that's going to take us into the future in the front office, and it's Ronnie Hextall. At least as of right now, it seems to be Ronnie Hextall. But we're going to move on here. We talked for about 27 minutes about that hiring, which is no more, no less than I expected to talk about it. I thought we were going to run near a half hour on that because it is massive news, probably the biggest news of the beginning of the season. But let's talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins as a whole. 
I failed to mention at the at the top of the show that we are going to do a newbie check-in because, like you said, there there hasn't been a game since our last episode. So we're going to check in with the newest members of the Penguins and what we believe they have been doing, at least performance-wise, in the first 11 games of the season. But before we do that, a quick update on the injured. Jared McCann is now going to be week-to-week with a lower body injury, the first real major injury to the Penguins' forward core. I understand that Evan Rodriguez has been out for a while and will be out for a while, but I don't see that as a major injury because he's a plug-and-play plug guy. And Zach Aston-Reese being injured from the outset, I don't count that because you know, off-season surgery. But McCann out week-to-week. He missed practice on Tuesday and on Wednesday, so obviously he's going to be out for a while. Zach Aston-Reese could probably be making his return this Thursday night in that game. Marcus Pedersen is out there skating with the team in a non-contact jersey, so that is also good news for the Pittsburgh Penguins getting healthier on the defensive side. Mike Matheson did practice on Wednesday, which is good because on Tuesday he left (laughs) practice with an injury and it almost seemed as if we're going to pay this man millions of dollars to just sit on our IR, but luckily he came back to practice. Seems like he's going to be good. And also the team used wooden sticks a couple days ago. Did you happen to see that, Horwat? Yes, I did. And the (laughs) goalies continued the continued that trend into the next practice so uh there were reasons for it i think it was because wooden sticks are just different and there's less give you a different feel for the puck give you a different sense of you would know you've probably got more experience with this than me (laughs) it definitely is a different feel and definitely you have to play play the puck a little differently whenever you're playing with an old wood stick but it was all an inception because people were making fun of Sidney Crosby for how long he used a wooden blade. And Crosby said, you know what? He realized a lot of these young bucks had never really used a wooden stick. He said, you know what? Let's get them out there. Let, let's practice with the wooden sticks and see how you guys like it if you want to make fun of how long I used one. Basically saying, if I would have been using composite this whole time, I, my numbers would be that much higher. But... Uh, <laughs> Still, it was an interesting storyline, and honestly, I had a little bit of a curmudgeon moment where I, I saw that, and I was like, you guys have lost two games in a row. You guys are under 500 right now. Why are you having fun? But, you know, I, I, I need to pull back the veil a little bit. They played well on Saturday, so. I think they were, do- they were doing that practice to better themselves. I think that was kind of the reason for it. I mean, do we know a reason for it? Has there been like a... I don't think there was any other reason for it other than they decided to do it because of the whole Crosby thing. And I feel like the coaching staff went along because of how many practices they've had this week and because you can still get good work in with a wooden stick. Yeah, I, I mean, may, I whenever I first saw it, I thought maybe this is just a way to um, win puck battles, like get better control of yourself when it comes to controlling the puck. And, I mean, if there is – if. That's if it was just because of a joke. I mean, hell, what are we doing after losing two in a row and doing that? I hate seeing that shit too. But I mean, hey, they're millionaires playing a game, so I can't be that mad. And but I did see a lot of responses saying that this should be used as a legitimate practice thing and a way to make yourself better. So I'm cool with it. Looked cool. Looked like a lot of fun. And as long as I mean, hey, as long as the teams out there having fun too, that's. Mm-hmm. I think I said this before whenever we were talking about um, Jari struggling earlier in the season. Whenever some a team or someone is struggling, it's good to see them being positive. Yeah, It gives you a sense of, okay, they're not getting too down about it. They're maintaining a positive outlook on it, and things should turn around. 
it's not like we were out there bag skating. Yeah. So there was that. So that was a good sign that at least things look positive on this team. Things look like we're we're happy. We know we're a good team. We can do this. Um, as long as there's also the side of serious seriousness with it, I think it's fine. I like the idea. And, mm-hmm. I mean, plus you may as well have a little fun when you did nothing but work on power play for about a week. Yeah, let's hopefully see a power play against the Islanders on Thursday night because if not, Mike Sullivan might pull all of his hair out. But no, is last thing about the wooden sticks, I mean, the Penguins are guilty of overpassing. It's a little yeah. bit harder to pass with a wooden stick, so maybe it's inherently telling them you should probably shoot more because you're not going to be able to pass as well as you usually do with one of these cinder block wooden sticks that you're using, these Sherwoods that you have in your hands right now. But it, it was a fun little storyline, and, and it was something that continued to help us get through the week without Penguins hockey. But Thursday night, it is back against the New York Islanders. I'm excited to finally watch the Pens back in action. But let's do a newbie check-in. We have six players here we're going to talk about. We're going to go through this a little bit quicker than we expected to because of you know the 32 minutes worth of, of news that we did not expect on having. But let's start with Mark Jankowski. Of course, Rutherford acquired him at a very low rate to be the third or fourth line center. And lately it's been more closely related to fourth line center. Horwat, what have you thought about Janko? Man, it started off so well. Looked so good in the first couple of games, even into the third one. And then, uh, man, has he looked bad. Not good, Bob. Not good. Brutal stuff from Mark Jankowski as of late. I I wrote a piece on how him, Tanev, and McCann looked phenomenal in the first couple of games and that they were kind of the ones driving the team to start the season. While Tanev will continue to always be good and great and um, probably this podcast's favorite player, uh, Jankowski, on the other hand, just kind of fell off and has not regained any sort of traction. I mean, we were having real discussions of wondering why we weren't talking about Tanev and Jankowski being teammates in Providence for so long. Well, that doesn't fucking matter anymore, does it? (laughs) No, not much. That's the, I mean, he hasn't had a point since the second game of the season, so nothing much to write home about with Jankowski. Thank God it's only one year and $700,000. Listen, I'm not ready to crucify the man yet. No, he, not He at was all, demoted but... to the fourth line. That's also part and parcel because of Teddy Bluger has played extremely well so far this season. Teddy Bluger is off to a great start. So it makes sense that Mark Jankowski, who has struggled and only has three points this year, would get demoted to the fourth line, and I don't think he's a bad fourth-line center. He has the size. I also don't think he hasn't played poorly. I don't think he's played well, but he hasn't played poorly. Kind of in that defensive zone where we look at defensemen and we're like, well, we haven't noticed you, but I guess that's a good thing. I mean, for Jankowski, that's not the greatest thing, but at the same time, I don't see him as a liability out there for the Pittsburgh Penguins, which it's a start. It's a foundation to build off of for him. You know, he had that fantastic start in Philly, and you'd love to see him keep that up, but let's be honest, not everybody knew not to think that he was going to go and be on that pace the entire season. And nobody thought though, that he would kind of struggle as much as he has since he's faded into the background. He's our fourth line center. So let's just hope that he doesn't have to get to that level that he was in Philly. Let's just hope he gets a little bit higher than the level he is right now. Cause if not, it is one year, $700,000. And I'm sure new management would have no issues getting rid of some guy that they didn't bring in in the first place if he's not able to perform. Yep. 
Nope. It's those got those few that signed the one year deals have a lot to play for right now. Mm-hmm. You gotta impress because you have contract negotiations coming up and similar to last offseason, I'm pretty sure they're not gonna be easy contract negotiations when it comes to teams and their salary cap space next yep. offseason. Let's let's move to Mike Matheson. What is there to say, Horwat? He's played in three games. He has been injured, and then he almost re-injured himself, colliding into somebody in practice. He has not looked great by any stretch of the word. He has not looked anywhere near the amount that we're paying him to be. Horwat, what have you thought about Mike Matheson so far? Uh, Great incomplete. It's really hard because he has been hurt and almost hurt himself again. So I guess not much to say other than those couple of games where he has played has it been okay has it been decent not i mean it's been yeah you know it's hard it's really hard to tell with matheson he just hasn't been playing it's a very small sample size and if we're gonna sit here and give Evgeny malkin the benefit of the doubt when he has not missed a game just saying oh it's tough beginning of the season he can knock the rust off let's give mike matheson the benefit of the doubt a little bit yes Again, new management might be looking to move that contract, but also I'm not sure anybody's going to want to take it. So we have plenty of time to see Mike Matheson. If he can stay healthy, we have plenty of time to see how this all plays out. He should probably be in the lineup on Thursday, so it'll be game four for him. So let's just keep an eye out on it, see how he does, and hope that he plays a lot better than he did in the first three. Yeah, and the guy we're about to talk about uh, just might push him out of the lineup when all is said and done and everyone is healthy good old p.o joseph not pierre olivier as his birth name is he likes to go by p.o which is fine by me it takes less time to say (laughs) a lot less time to type um p.o joseph has been phenomenal i think we all knew this was coming eventually it just came a lot faster than we expected and it's looked great we love it we love to see the young rookies playing at a top level like this I, dear God, stay healthy. That knock on the wood now because, Ooh. oof, man, we love watching him play. It's been phenomenal. That's all I got on it. Looks, he's looked great. The big question with him is, why did we not think he was ready before this season started? Like, where, where was this on the game one in Philadelphia? Why, why, why did we have him on the taxi squad and and not? in the game but you know that's all water under the bridge at this point because he is here he has arrived in the nhl and he's kind of just stuck his foot down and said you know what i am the best goddamn defenseman on this decor right now and you have nothing to say about it and that's basically what it's been he to me has been the biggest shining star of the first month crosby has been crosby that's what's going to happen jake gensel is starting to look like jake gensel of getting malkin needs to come around some of these players are playing to their level. Some players are playing below it. P.O. Joseph came out and said, listen, I don't have a level yet. Let's start it out up here at the very top. And we're going to start it out with me being the best defenseman on this decor and see if everybody else can catch up. So John Marino has been sticking, stepping his game up ever since P.O. Joseph came onto the scene. Let's hope Chris Letang does the same. And when Pedersen comes back, he does the same. And when Dumlin comes back, he does the same. And let's hope Mike Matheson attempts to do the same. So... P.O. Joseph, one goal, four assists already. I know points are not very indicative of how good a defenseman is. Corsi is a little bit more indicative, and that is possession 
statistics. He possesses the puck 54.5% of the time. And from what I've seen since I started trying to track Corsi, 55 is considered elite. So short sample size, but as of right now, he's bordering on elite play in possession. And he's also putting up the offensive numbers. And, and if you're watching the game, he looks a lot more steady than anybody else on the ice out there. So P.O. Joseph, if one of the last moves that Jim Rutherford made, one of the last big moves, it looks like it's really helping out the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially a team that is not great and ingrained with good young depth stars. I'm not saying he's a star right now, but he is a young defenseman that is going to be here for a while. And he's going to be one of the guys leading the Penguins in the post-Crosby era. Yep. He'll be around for a long time. That's for damn sure. I mean, he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch play now. He should be fun to watch play going forward. And you said he's elite levels in Corsi. I, he's elite levels on my eye test. So all around looking good. There you go. We got you on the old school and the new school metrics here on the tip of the iceberg or the PO show as we are sometimes called. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Colton Sevier, Cody Cece, and Kasperi Kapanen. We'll be right back. This episode of The Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, more specifically the newbies of the Pittsburgh Penguins, the players that are in their first season, the players that are trying to build rapport and build a good standing in our eyes, and more specifically, the new management's eyes. Let's talk about Colton Seaver. We already talked about Mike Matheson, who was one part of the Patrick Cornquist deal. How about Colton Sevier, Horwat? What have you seen from Sevier so far? I know he's been in and out of the lineup a little bit, kind of replacement level, but what have you seen so far this season? Good things. I'd say good things. I mean, yeah, he hasn't played much. He's been a healthy scratch as of recently, but he hasn't played terribly. I mean, has he played better than Lafferty or O'Connor? Probably, I'd say. But... You know what? It's not my decision to make there, but I mean, Colton Sevier is a guy that Colton Sevier is a guy that under this new regime we have will probably be requested to be put back in the lineup. There's no way Burke sees Colton Sevier sitting on the sidelines while Lafferty or O'Connor. Again, nothing against those guys. We love watching them play. Just it just isn't there yet. 
for O'Connor, and Lafferty just hasn't played to his standard yet this year. Uh, there's no way someone sits idly by and says Colton Seaver should continue being healthy scratched, and I am included in that pack now. Um, just for the what it's worth, get him back on the ice because at this point, what's this fourth line going to be? It's going to be brutal once everyone's healthy again. Making that Bluger, Aston, Reese, Tanev line the third line. Oh, good lord. It's not fun. That is not fun watching that be your third line. Well, that on means, the bright side. Sorry, go ahead. That means your fourth is... Oh, Duct taped together? Yeah, I'd say. The good thing about having Aston Reese, Bluger, Tanev as your third line, or, or your fourth line, I know Sullivan doesn't like to number the lines, but the good thing about having those guys together is one of the big issues for the Penguins so far this season has been preventing goals. And if there's one thing that line does at, at an elite level, it yeah. is prevent goals. Now, Teddy Bluger has shown a little bit more scoring prowess. Brandon Tanev has showed a lot more scoring prowess, but I'm sure that will also deteriorate, not deteriorate, but it'll go down a little bit once he's playing with a guy like Aston Reese instead of a guy like Jared McCann. But that's what you expect. A guy that's more defensive-minded like Aston Reese, it's what the Penguins are going to need because they need a little bit of help on the defensive side right now, and that line will definitely do it. But the fourth line, as far as I'm concerned, Mark Jankowski has the ability to be a, a steady center in this league. One of one or two, one of the two, Lafferty or O'Connor, yeah, they're going to stay in. I, I'd love to see Colton Sevier back in the lineup on Thursday because – these kids are trying to figure their game out. He knows his game. He's going to go out there and play it. And you need guys that are going to go out there and do their job. And that's what Colton Sevier is. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Eric Fair from the Pittsburgh Penguins. If anybody remembers back to that 2016 championship, he, he reminds me of Eric Fair. He, he sits in the background. He does the little things. He blocks shots. He makes hits. And every once in a while, oh, he scores a big goal. We look at the Capitals games where he had, I believe, goals in back-to-back -back games against the Capitals. Those are some big goals in some big games. So we don't expect Colton Seaver to go out there and be an offensive juggernaut. We expect him to go out there and be a fourth-line player. That's nothing new. When we saw his name included in the Hornfist trade, we said, all right, well, there's a replacement-level fourth-line player. And that's what he has been so far. But the way that that line is played, the way that O'Connor and Lafferty have played, and I know we're not going to get into those two too much, if at all here, but the way that those two have played, one of them needs to be sat down, especially if Aston Reese is good to go. One of them needs to be sat down. And honestly, at this moment in time, I would think maybe Drew O'Connor gets sent down and we get to see him play a little bit in Wilkes-Barre now that they have their season fully underway. I know that you don't want to hear that, but as of right now, I want to see how he develops and how he plays down there as well. If they choose to keep him up here, that's fine. Sometimes it's best to learn by fire and learn by the NHL level of skill, but he, he has kind of not made as big of an impact. And, and Sam Lafferty has struggled. He, he has seen spurts of his training camp self, but for the most part, Sam Lafferty has not been it this year. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear that uh, Drew O'Connor should be sent to the minors either, but I'm the one that said it last week too. So, yeah, at this point, it was a good try. I'd say, I mean, again, he'll be something one day. That's mm -hmm. for damn sure. I Going into the season, I was not expecting him to make this roster at all. Yeah. wasn't expecting him to make the taxi squad, especially with the signings we've been making at all. I ex honestly expected Jordan Nolan to be on our taxi squad. 
Oh, Brian Burke and Jordan Nolan. Oh, Ron Hextall and Jordan Nolan. Ron Hextall was part of the squad. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan Nolan's going to be in this lineup before the end of the month. Let's just get that <laughs> out of the way now. And it I'm helps not... that he scored, some, he scored a point in the first game for Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, and I'm not totally upset at the Jordan Nolan idea. I mean, it is a little bruisey and a little, you know, boneheaded. But, you know what? It's a guy who has a couple hundred NHL games experience and two cups under his belt. It, you know what that's more than? More than what O'Connor and Lafferty have. So maybe a little bit of guts on the fourth line like that wouldn't be a terrible idea. I'm not – don't crucify me on this now. I'm not saying put him in the lineup. I'm saying if it, if it comes down to it, let's not let's not get angry at it. But anyway, yeah, Colton Sevier, put him in the lineup first. Yeah. Jordan Nolan is a center, so that kind of ruins my first thought of saying – you know, Jankowski, Nolan, and Sevier, that's a tough line to play against. Yeah, that's, that's really tough, actually. I, I'm not sure how defensively stout it would be, but it, it's not going to be an easy line to play against. I don't think that's a line that we see, at least for a little while still, because I think the Penguins are, are so deep that Jordan Nolan is going to struggle to make his way up to the yeah, NHL roster. But if Drew O'Connor needs more time to, to marinate in the AHL, then that opens up a spot at least on the taxi squad for him, you'd have to think. and. The Penguins, who do not have a deep prospect pool, don't have many other options. Maybe Anthony Angelo is a, ahead of him, which I would expect. But I think Angelo's you know, already on the taxi squad, so there's that. He, he's been on the taxi squad and down in the A for training camp. and He's been back and forth. But as far as Colton Sevier is concerned, he is what we expected him to be. I'd like to see him in the lineup tonight on against the Islanders. But let's talk a little bit about Cody Ceci now. Uh, everybody's favorite person to hate. Mm-hmm. The, the new Jack Johnson, if you will. But Jack Johnson never performed the way that Cody Ceci has, and, and that is actually not a sarcastic comment, which I never expected. Yeah, Cody is just a guy that um, we understand that we're going to express our dislike of him as a player to start. We know that's just how it is. Uh, we didn't like the idea of signing him whenever it happened. Uh, but now he's in the lineup and he hasn't totally disappointed. He has made our hearts stop a couple of times. <laughs> but you know what? I can't totally hate it. Again, as long as you just play him in the right role. I think we said this last episode. If you play him in the right role and at the right time, he's not going to disappoint you, at least. <laughs> he might not play great for you, but he won't be a damn disappointment. Yeah, Cody CC has been a lot better than I expected, for sure. And he's only played eight games so far this season, but Corsi-wise and possession-wise, he's off to the best start of his career. He has his numbers higher than he's ever had in his career, which is pretty impressive. So, to be completely honest, in the role that he's playing, what, 11, 12, 13 minutes a game, he's been perfectly fine. I have nothing mm-hmm. else to say, honestly, about him. He, he, he hasn't been the worst player out there. He hasn't been the best player out there. He's went out there, swallowed up some minutes, and, and done it at a decent pace. That's all we can ask for him. Like I said, as long as he's not out there putting up first-line minutes and hitting a huge minus, um, he's not doing that. So that's As long as he's not doing that, we're okay. We're fine. Nothing to worry about. And we have such a deep defensive core now that who knows if he's in this lineup when fully healthy. It's... I mean, yeah, we had a ton of injuries, but we had to supplement it somehow, so we signed Yannick Weber. Cool. Yeah, Yannick Weber's on this team. Forgot about that. <laughs> it's such a strange situation we have now, so... 
I mean, hey, we have defensive depth for days, and we'll see how it goes, really. He might not even be in this lineup, but for now he is, and he's played decent, and we can't be mad at it yet. Especially for how much he's getting paid. It's not like he's getting paid that much money anyway. Yeah, it's not like he's getting Matheson money, so let's, let's not worry about it. And it's a one-year deal, so if at the end of the day he doesn't perform and, and these numbers don't persist and neither does his performance, no issue. Just don't sign him again. Yep. That's exactly right. Let's finish it off with Kasperi Kapanen. His initial impact once he got over from Finland and got finished with all the quarantine was massive. That first game that he was in, he was clearly the fastest guy on the ice. And yes, he had barely skated all that much, but... He has since tapered off a little bit, but he's still been really good. He's been a solid top six player for the Penguins. Two goals and six points in eight games played. I think he's been everything as advertised. He, he's bringing speed. He's bringing a little bit of finish. And he's getting in on breakaways, which is something that Ken Stapon of the Not Another Leafs podcast told us about whenever we made the trade. As he said, he's going to get a lot of breakaways. It's just a matter of how many of them he finishes. He's finished pretty well so far. We're not mad at it. Uh, he was definitely one of the best players of the first month of the season, and I expect that to continue at least into next month, and then we go from there. It's He's been so much fun to watch. Him and Malkin have really created something special, and it'll be a ton of fun to see going forward. It's exciting to have him back in the lineup, and um, we harped all, all season about this team getting younger and faster, younger and faster. He is the definition of younger and faster. He fills in, I think, where we kind of lost a spot in Patrick Hornquist. He's a guy that is filling in nicely in uh, wherever we decide to put him in the put him in the lineup. He's going to be quick and he's going to get you goals now, as long as he's able to continue um, a great trend with Malkin. This should be a fun season for him. Yeah, Kasperi Kapanen has been everything that we expected of him so as far as he's concerned let's just keep seeing what we're seeing because it's been great so far but that is all the players that we wanted to discuss the newbies of the pittsburgh penguins we're going to take one more quick break but when we come back we're going to finish off this week with shout outs and call out uh, you know what? i'm just I, so I, heated because of what what you're telling me because i i do not want to live in a world <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No, no, no. Mac macaroni, as you call it, is a substitute for KD. God. <laughs> oh, my God. Go to, go to Italy. If you ask... open some fucking no, 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 crap no, 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 no. If you ask any Canadian, would they rather have macaroni or KD, they will tell you KD is the best it is superior it is a fucking national treasure and it is the greatest dish in canada i'm mason dixon a Habs fan stuck in leafs country with my co-host Corey, a southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of louisiana with over 2500 kilometers of separation we've still managed to come together to give you Habs nightly your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc Rouge, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. 
Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night. Shoutouts and call-outs here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Season 2, episode 21. It has been a crazy week in the NHL, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that in our shoutouts and call-outs. Horat, I'd like to start us off with my shout-out. Of course, this past Sunday was Super Bowl 55. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their whole team does not get my shout-out because there's a certain player on their team that I will never shout-out, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defense gets my shout out for this week. They shut down Kansas City, and more specifically, they shut down, to the biggest extent so far in his career, Patrick Mahomes. They kept him in check for the first time in his career, pretty much. Not for lack of trying, Pat Mahomes. I mean, subsidiary shout out to him. The man was literally throwing darts and throwing perfect passes and dimes whenever he was falling to the ground and parallel with the ground. His wide receivers just, you know, was trying to catch them with their teeth, and that's not how you win football games. And it, it doesn't help that you don't have an offensive line if you're Kansas City. It shows everybody that, yes, linemen are the biggest part of football, to be completely honest. But Tampa Bay had a great game plan go, to go out there. Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, had a great idea that we're going to, you know, we, we know that he's missing linemen. We're going to get in his grill. We're going to stay there all game, and we're going to see how he reacts. And, Kansas City never changed. They they never adapted to what was going on. And yes, by the end of the game, Pat Mahomes still had 270 yards. He did not throw for a touchdown. He threw several interceptions. There were several fumbles by the Kansas City offense because that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, whether you like it or not, they're the reason that the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Yes, Tom Brady was impressive. And, and you know, c- congratulations to him on his seventh Super Bowl, which is an absolutely unfathomable thing to think about. Obviously, the man is a legend on the football field. Let's not say he's a legend at the boat parade because he was looking a little rough during the boat parade on Wednesday and and following it. But a shout-out to that defense and a shout-out to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl 55 champions. Yeah, good on them. I mean, I didn't fully expect them to win, I think. I know I said on here that I'd be rooting for them because uh, my last shout-out was Tom Brady, and I said, win or lose, he has done something that not too many other athletes uh, will ever be able to do, not just uh, football players. So he he done did it. He said, I'm going to take a random team to the Super Bowl, and we're going to win. Okay, who's next? <laughs> who's next, Tom? Want to come to the Steelers? We could use a Super Bowl in this town. I, I don't think that would <laughs> ever happen. No, but I mean, hell, we'll see Tom Brady again. I'm sure we'll see him in the Super Bowl again. It's almost a guarantee, but Horat, what's your shout-out for this week? Uh, my shout-out's going to be a partial call-out because it's I'm shouting at this person for turning a very not-so-good career into $40 million a year. Good old Trevor Bauer of the now Los Angeles Dodgers put up, he's had, what, one and maybe a half of a good season? Yeah. You can't call that twenty nine that twenty twenty MLB season a full season. They especially in a from a pitcher standpoint, you pitched what? 
10 games? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, yeah, you put up a 173 ERA. Cool. Do that in a full 182-game season. I mean, other than that, you had one good season beforehand where you were an all-star. I mean, only twice in his career has he ever put up an ERA below four. Dude, you're not that great of a pitcher. You're not worth $40 million. You're overrated. But you know what? Whoever the hell your agent is um, did a damn good job of finding you a ton of money, and I applaud that. Good for you. You're kind of an asshole. No, you're very much an asshole. But, hey, you know what? You turned you turned in a – how many games did he pitch that season? Eleven. You turned 11 games into $40 million. Way to go! I applaud that kind of that kind of grind. Trevor Bauer is definitely. I, I mean, say what you will about him, he's one of the most known names in baseball now, and that was before his forty million dollar a year contract with the LA Dodgers. But when in doubt, if you want money, go to the Dodgers because they have it in spades, and they are the defending World Series champions. So it's not like you're going to a team that doesn't care about winning. So, I mean, I guess good on him. He's going to give himself an opportunity to win. A World Series, and he's not going to be the best pitcher there. He's probably not going to be in the top two or three pitchers there. And I had no idea who he was until he, when he did that thing where he threw the ball over the center field wall. Oh, Terry. he needed it. <laughs> that that was the first time I heard about him, and I genuinely had to do a double take because I went to high school with the Trevor Bauer, who I played baseball with. So I was like, wait, he made it to the MLB? I did watch the video like twice to make sure it wasn't him. <laughs> and now here we are. He's making $40 million a year after pissing off Terry Francona. So, Well, you're already kind of on a roll with the call-out, so I'll let you uh, just keep moving right on into the call-out section. Oh, dude, my call-out uh, list was long this week. I had a few names on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I don't know the full details of the John Tortorella thing, apparently that may have been caused by Patrick Laine. I don't know. I'm just going to jump into calling out Bell Media. We just got done shouting you out last week, and you go and do this. Damn it. They, I don't know the full details of this either. I just kind of wrote down Bell Media, and everyone should kind of understand, especially if you're in the hockey world. You know they just decided to up in blank space the Vancouver, I believe it was. Vancouver, Winnipeg, and uh, Hamilton. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just their radio stations just straight up said, you're done. That's it. End of it. The entire station. As someone who works in a radio station and is not even on air, I just write stories part-time. That would be weird in my, for me. Let's just say Entercom. Let's just shut down the Pittsburgh station. I wouldn't know what the hell to do because I'm not in the office. I am not on air. I don't get those kind of big old corporate emails. I just get, here's the work you have to do today. <laughs> but the fact that this that Bell Media just decided to send in security and say, hey, everyone here is done as of 9 p.m. and just straight up played nothing it really hurt their cause it hurt um, a ton of people in the industry it hurt a ton of people up up north of the border and just not a good look especially under a week or a little over a week after your uh, mental health campaign that all oh, just got dragged through the mud <laughs> not a good look all around really you got any more details on it because that's just it's not good. It's a call-out on Bell Media. That is exactly what my call-out for this week is, too. Obviously, calling out Bell Media you know, for the sudden shutdown of their sports radio stations in Vancouver 
and Winnipeg and Hamilton. You know, they apparently didn't even tell any of their employees, yeah. as you mentioned. They didn't tell them and just cut the cord at 9 a.m. and switched to either Bloomberg Radio or ESPN syndicated shows, and and that was it. Yeah. Off the air, done. And they replaced, you know, replaced it with different feeds. Told everybody they were done by 9:30. I I don't know. This is unverified, but I also saw somebody say that they were told they had 30 minutes to gather their belongings as part of their separation packages, which is just absolutely to not even tell them is one thing, but to also tell them you have 30 30 minutes to 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 get your crap and leave i don't know like i said that i haven't verified that completely i've seen a couple news stories that have said that but the big thing is just what is bell let's talk it, it is mental health it is trying to take away the stigma and all the stigmas involved in mental health and trying to show that they are there as one of the big corporations in canada and that they care this right here shows that, you know, what, when your feet hit the pavement, Bell Media, it, it makes it seem like they don't care. I'm not going to say that they don't because I'm sure there's many people in that organization, in that you know, corporation that do care and that do love the Bell Let's Talk organization part of that. But this, the way that it was handled, listen— we understand it is COVID. There are plenty of businesses suffering. There are plenty of corporations that are suffering and there are cuts being made. There are furloughs being made. There are people getting laid off. It is a fact of the world we live in. It is a very sad fact of the world we live in, but to not give any notice and to just cut the shows. There were people posting before it happened. Okay, I'll be on air from 12 to 3 with my normally scheduled show that I've been doing for the past 10 years. And it's like, you you have to find out by getting texted. You have to find out by a message on Twitter that, that you're not going to be doing the show that you've been doing for 10 years because your station just doesn't exist. It's already hard enough to go in and be fired for something that's completely out of your control. Now, imagine all your coworkers also losing their job at the same exact moment. It's something that is absolutely unheard of, especially in the way that it was handled by Bell Media and I know there are some individuals that were affected by this that are on the Hockey Podcast Network and, and us here at the tip of the iceberg. You know, we send out our, our sincerest, you know, just we, we hope you guys are doing okay. We know it's tough. I can't imagine what you're going through, to be completely honest. It, it is something that nobody can tell you how you're supposed to be feeling right now because it, it is something so unfathomable the way that that was handled and we feel for you and we're here for you and obviously reach out if you have our numbers or on the Slack chat, but like also for anybody else that, that worked there, it's just, I don't want to say condolences because it's, yeah, it's not, it, it's not that, but it, it's so close to it because of the way that, you know, the, the treatment that that must feel like to just be kind of cast aside like that. And like I said, it's COVID. We understand there's people, and businesses that have been shutting down for the past year plus, but to not give any notice and to just kind of pull the plug like that, it, it, it's tough. And even Isha and Dylan, our network heads, one of the big reasons that they decided to start this and decided to bring all this amazing content together that we have with our 40 plus shows here on the Hockey Podcast Network one of the big reasons was because of TSN 1040, which is one of the stations that was cut. So it is a, 
it was a difficult day on Tuesday for everybody in the journalism profession and, and for everybody that honestly has a heart that looked at that story and everybody in the hockey world as well. So it, it's tough. Call out to Bell Media. You know, I expected more. I'm sure a lot of people expected more. And listen, you're going to have to do a lot. A lot of, of, of prepare, not prepare work, but a lot of fixing because last week was Bell Let's Talk Day. Next year, what's that going to mean? Is that going to mean anything to anybody next year? Who knows? But they, they got to do something because it's not even just optics. It's just the way that it was handled. It doesn't just look bad. It is bad. Yeah, it's, it's awful. And I mean, like I said, I, like I said at the beginning of the show, it was a weird news day on Tuesday. And that was a huge part of it. I went from seeing stuff about Hextall to seeing stuff about Tortorella to seeing that and then to, I mean, I'll be honest, yeah, I had the Hextall stuff going, but that was a majority of my timeline was people talking about the about the Bell shutdowns and just how awful of a situation and how awful they handled it. It wasn't so much that they did it. I mean, yeah, like you said a couple of times, we get it. Companies are shutting down. It's just what happens in this day and age right now. You hear of these companies that, and some of these big companies that are either filing for bankruptcy in some sort of way, or um, or just closing their doors or making big cuts. I mean, ESPN has been cutting people for for longer than COVID's been around, but yeah, I mean they're at least you know not straight up pulling entire stations off air and saying everyone's out. You got thirty minutes, leave. Terrible situation all around for that and. You know, there's a lot of talented people in every sort of radio station. All of them. No matter where you look, you'll find some sort of talent. I'm sure there's a ton of talent in there. And you just got to hope for the best for all of them. And um, hope Bell does better in the future. We know Bell Media is not going anywhere. They're one of the biggest corporations in Canada. I think they own a hockey team. If I'm not mistaken, I think they own one of the teams, but I can't remember exactly. I think they have a stake in the Maple Leafs. I, I don't know if Sportsnet and Bell share it. I don't know. I don't know. They they have their hand in the cookie jar in a lot of the NHL. Yeah, franchises. I mean, I mean, they're the Bell Center in Winnipeg. Yeah. So it's tough, man. I mean, they're a huge corporation that's not going anywhere. You just got to hope for the best. And Bell MTS plays, not Bell Center. I was about to say Bell Center is in Montreal. That's right. But Bell, Bell Center in Montreal, Bell MTS Place in Winnipeg. So they're all over Canada, and yeah. this this sucks. They're not going anywhere, but you hope for better going for them going forward. And that's well, what, I, I know you said you had a lot of shout or call-outs. Do you have anything else, or, or did, you, did you go over all of them? Um, just the Tortorella one. Uh, I – you don't want to bench that your new player, your new star player who can help get you wins that quickly. But at the same time, I guess it may have been brought on by line. A. I don't mm-hmm. know the whole story. It's something to look I into. I saw that he cussed out a coach. It was Oof. one of the reasons given. So, all right. Well, but I mean, apparently Tortorella might want out. Koivu just retired. There's something weird going on in, in Columbus. Definitely. So. Because it's not the first time Tortorella has benched a star player. It, Sometimes it, it seems justified. Obviously, he, he benched P.L. Dubois, who was traded for Patrick Laine. But Laine has been on a tear since he got to Columbus. He's been scoring goals left and right. It looks like 40-goal scorer Patrick Laine. But if he's acting like that, then you can only do what you're going to do. You need to, you need to respect 
the people that are there with you. Otherwise, you're not going to be respected in return, and you're not going to get ice time. But on an upside for them, Roslovic had seven points in seven games. So Impressive. Impressive in the worst division in hockey, but uh, we won't get into all of that. Horwat, do you have anything else for, for the listeners before we headed home for the weekend? No, that's it. I just uh, let's all get excited about our new management. Granted, new management does not mean immediate success on the ice, mm-hmm. but um, it means changes of sorts eventually. We'll see. It'll all be fun. Get ready to read some headlines, baby. And that starts tonight because we actually have some hockey to watch. It's been a while. It's been since Saturday, and before that, the previous Monday. So. Penguins have not won a game in 12 days, 0-2 in that span. Let's hope they change that tonight against the New York Islanders. That's going to be it for this one. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We will see you guys next week. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from so please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts we are brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can visit them on twitter at hockeypodnet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com every team everywhere